That's the cry of my heart for us today, that we need a move from God. Before I open up God's Word and share the Word that He's given me, I want to just touch base on a couple of things. Number one, next week we're going to be uh, taking communion, so it gives you the rest of this week to kind of get uh, those uh, emblems together so that we can do that together. Uh, so that's next week we'll have communion. Uh, two, people have been asking about when we're going to be opened and, and how we're going to be opening that, and I want you to know that we are in the process of crafting a reopening plan. We haven't finalized that yet. In fact, to that measure, one of the things that we are also doing is we decided to create a survey that is going to get posted on our website, and we would like to hear from you. It's going to be several questions that we're going to ask, and, and we're asking you to answer them honestly to us. We want to be able to open in a way that everybody feels comfortable with and uh, that their concerns are addressed. So it should get posted by Wednesday morning, the latest. I'll look either Tuesday afternoon or Wednesday morning. So be looking for that survey. Please help us participate in that. And uh, once we have uh, that reopening uh, uh, crafted as far, as far as how we're going to do that, uh, then we will let you know when we're going to plan to reopen. Uh, the last thing I want to address before I open up God's Word is our current situation in our nation where the, the demonstrations are going on in some cities, it's actually gotten violent as a result of the injustice that happened in Minnesota. I want to remind us all that the situation in our nation is not an issue of culture. It's not an issue of race. The issue that's going on in our nation is a spiritual issue. It's a spiritual problem. The heart dictates what the mouth speaks. The heart dictates what we do as far as action. And what I believe our nation needs more than anything else is a spiritual awakening. Because unless God does something in our hearts, nothing is ever going to change. We don't fix injustice with more injustice. Those are the words of Dr. King. Uh, what, what we need is for the people of God to begin more than ever before to lift up our voices and ask God to pour out his spirit on our nation to create a spiritual awakening to the measure that all injustice, regardless the injustice of the color of somebody's skin, the injustice of, of somebody's social status or economic status, all these injustices will be dealt with. And remember, God always begins with his house. We need the Spirit of God to move among the people of God first, and then we need to pray that God will move in our nation and bring about a spiritual awakening because that and that alone is the only thing that can bring healing in our nation. So to that end, let's pray even now. Father, I come before you in the precious name of Jesus Christ. I thank you, I thank you, I thank you for everything that you do for us as a nation, the incredible blessings you pour out. 
upon us as a people. But Father, we recognize that there are injustices going on in our society. There are major issues that are still happening today in America. And we recognize that it's the heart that dictates these actions. So we, we need the heart to be transformed. We need our hearts to be cleansed and purified. We need a new heart, God. And to that end, we look to you because you and you alone, Father, are the only one that can bring about a spiritual awakening in America. And to that end, we pray, oh God, so that as the Spirit of the Lord moves in the hearts of men, then and only then will we see justice prevail. Then and only then will we see the equality that we seek for all people, regardless of their race or their culture or their economic status. So Father, bless our nation, we pray, by pouring out your spirit and bringing about an awakening unlike we've never seen before. And we thank you and pray for it in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen and amen. Blessed be his wonderful name. All right. I want to talk to you today about a, a, a word that came to my heart as a result of an experience that I had. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was uh, doing some shopping. And as most of us know, uh, during this pandemic, uh, most major stores have adopted the policy that you have to wear a mask in order to enter their premise. And I was uh, going to one of these stores and I was about to enter in and, and a gentleman be, uh, came up beside me who did not have a mask. Uh, he tried to get in, but the person at the door refused to let him in and told him unless he had a mask, he couldn't get in. And even though this man was, uh, was sincere, and wanted to purchase some things that he needed for his family, he was denied in the end entrance simply because he didn't have a mask. In other words, the mask was his ticket in. And because he didn't have a mask, he wasn't allowed in. I want to talk to you today about the word that came to my heart th that day. Because when it comes to the moment where you and I breathe our last on this earth. When it comes to that time where we have ceased to exist and we stand before God, here's the question I want you to consider today. What is your ticket to heaven? In other words, what, what is it that will ensure that you will be able to to enter into the kingdom of heaven, that you'll be given permission, if you will, to enter the kingdom of heaven. I've titled this message, Ticket to Heaven. Our text this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew. Just a few verses, beginning in, in Matthew uh, 7, verses 21 and, uh, tw through 23. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. And listen, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. 
But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. In speaking to the people Jesus outlined here, it made it very clear what the ticket to heaven is. Let me begin by saying what it's not. I, you'll notice that works are not a ticket to heaven. By works, I mean, notice that there were people that when they're going to stand before God and say, well, we prophesied in your name. We foretold the future in your name. There are people that say, well, we, we, were, we were really good. We, we were casting out demons in your name, Lord. Uh, and then there were others that say, well, we did miracles in your name, God. And these were all works. There are good things that they did. These were not in and of themselves bad things that they were doing. Uh, and they were doing them all even in the name of the Lord. But although they were good, notice that they're not the ticket to heaven. And what that teaches us today is that we will not gain entrance into the kingdom of heaven through works through good, doing good things, in other words. Jesus declared that doing works is not the ticket to heaven. In fact, he declared that the ticket to heaven is doing the will of the Father. Now, the interesting thing about that is you may say, well, isn't casting out demons the will of the Father? I mean, isn't doing miracles in his name, the will of the Father? Surely, I mean, uh, doing all of these things, doing good works, uh, comes from God or is part of God's will. But I would submit to you that good works are a byproduct of God's doing God's will, but they in and of themselves are not God's will. In fact, the Lord here stressed what God's will is, but he did it in a unique way. He stressed it by stressing it in the negative. Jesus said, you're not getting into heaven. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. He said, you're not getting into heaven because of one thing. You didn't do the Father's will. I never knew you. I never knew you. That word knew there means to have this intimate knowledge that's obtained via or through relationship. What Jesus was saying to them, what he declared to them is, you did a lot of things for me, but you did not know me. You had no relationship with me. In other words, uh, they, they, were, they were so busy doing things for God, but they never really had a relationship with God. And there's where the difference came in. The will of the Father is to have this intimate relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. And this, and this alone, is our ticket to heaven. Now, it's important that we understand this. That knowing the Lord is a lot more, so much more, than knowing about the Lord. 
In other words, knowing about the Lord is the accumulation of information without relationship. Information without relationship. That's knowing about the Lord. In that category is where religion fits in. Religion is the accumulation of information without relationship. You can have religion and never have a relationship with, with the Lord Jesus Christ. You can do a lot of good things in the name of God, that's religion, but never know God. Religion teaches us that it's all about you have to do certain things, you have to conduct yourself in a certain way, you have to act in a certain way in order to be accepted by God. But notice Jesus said, no, that's not the truth. Your ticket to heaven deals with having a relationship with me. It's not about knowing me, about me. It's about knowing me, being an intimate relationship where you understand my heart. Let me give you a, a human example. Many of you know about me but you don't really know me. If you come to this church, if you call me your pastor, I would suspect that most of you know about me, but you really don't know me. Because to know me means you have to spend personal time with me so that you get to know my heart, so you get to know my ins and the outs, everything about me. Uh, in fact, when people do begin to know me, I often hear this, Pastor, you're nothing like what I thought you would be. In other words, there's a presentation that I have. A lot of people uh, have to some conclusion as to who I am based upon what they see on this platform. You have an idea, uh, and for the most part, uh, here's what I hear. I hear that people draw this conclusion. I'm a very stern man. I present myself as a very stern individual. Yet, when you get to know me, then you realize I'm not as stern as you might think. In fact, I'm more of a clown. That was the wrong place for an amen there. <laughs> In other words, I, the real me is not the one you always see on the platform in the sense that I, I, I have to be serious about bringing God's word. Uh, yeah, there's times and a place for humor, but for the most part, if all you're regulated to is seeing me for 40 minutes every Sunday, then you draw a conclusion, this is who he is. But then when you get to know me by spending time with me, you say, he's near, not what I thought he is. He's not who I thought he is. I've been married... 41 years this September will be 42 years that my wife has been with me. I hope those applause are for my wife as she's put up with me for 42 years. But nobody in this world knows me better than my wife. You see, she knows everything about my heart. She knows my mind. She knows my emotions. She knows every, what I think. In fact, those of you who are married, you'll know the longer you are married to your spouse, the more you begin to know them, and as you know them, you begin to understand what they're going to say before they say it. You begin to, to recognize what they feel just by some facial expression or some mannerisms. You know them so intimately 
that, that you, you, that's what marriage really is all about. It is the process of getting to know one another. And if you're a husband, listen, it's a lifelong process because there's no creature on the face of this earth more complex than woman. Yeah, only the man said amen. But that's okay. And so marriage is a lifelong process of getting to know one another uh, in that intimate relationship, you see. And in Christianity, now we often use a term, eternal life, to describe the hope that we have that one day we will spend eternity in heaven. Eternal life means that I am going to live forever in the presence of the Lord. That's what many Christians believe it is. But I want you to listen to what Jesus said eternal life is. In John chapter 17, verse 3, the Lord saying, now this is eternal life, that they know you and the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Notice, he said, this is eternal life, that they know you, Father, that they know you and that they know me. In other words, listen, eternal life isn't something that's reserved for us in heaven one day. Eternal life is not our final destination. Eternal life is something that is to be experienced here and now while we're on this earth. It begins and continues the moment we embrace Jesus Christ as our Savior, we have now entered into eternal life because eternal life is knowing Jesus Christ. Eternal life is being in an active, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. So in other words, what we need to recognize today, what the Lord is saying to all of us today is, Christianity is about relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about a set of rules and regulations. It's not about good works, although we all should have good works as a result of our relationship with the Lord. But the good works are not what we can present before God on the day that we stand before God. The key that's going to give us entrance into heaven, our ticket, is our relationship with the Lord. Now that means this. If we don't know the Lord, then we won't know him in that day. Meaning, if I don't know the Lord now, I won't know him then. If I'm not in relationship with the Lord now, then I won't be in relationship with him for all eternity. It's important that we recognize, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, Christianity, eternal life, all these phrases, what they are broken down into is simply this, relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to know the Lord. That means if we are not in the process of knowing the Lord, then we're not really Christians. We're not living the Christian life. Christianity is not 
uh, well, let me get to church one day. Uh, so many people are excited about uh, getting back together. Oh, we got to get back together. I miss church. And listen, I miss it. I miss all of you. I wish you were here. But what good is you being here if you are not in connection with the Lord Jesus Christ when you are here? Christianity is not about you and I getting together. Christianity is about we're all getting together so that we can meet with God, so that we can build our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But we can do that in our home. See, knowing the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't begin when you enter the four walls of a church building. Knowing Jesus Christ begins the moment you wake up and have breath, you can begin your relationship with the Lord. You can reestablish and reconnect with the Lord and continue to build in that relationship with the Lord. The Bible says this in the 46th Psalm, the 10th verse. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. In other words, let me break it down to you in a more practical sense of what the Bible is saying. God is saying, stop all your hustle and bustle. Stop all the running around and spend time alone with me. That's the only way you can know me. We get busy sometimes, so busy with life that we have no time to spend alone with God. And we all know in a physical relationship, you can't build an intimate relationship with someone that you don't spend time with. I can't build a relationship with my wife if I'm not spending time with my wife. And nor can she build a relationship with me, with me if she's not spending time with me. We cannot build relationships without being intimate with one another. Best friends, the reason why they're best friends is because they're always with each other. They're always talking with each other. They're always exchanging heart so that they're, they're, they're knit in their heart. And what the Word of God is reminding us is that in this hectic pace of life, we need to slow down. We need to make sure that we pause and take time to get alone with the Lord. I mean, after all, if even the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible records many times, just got alone to be with God. We can't get so busy working for God that we have no time to know God. Remember again, these people prophesied, cast out demons, did miracles, all in the name of the Lord. And yet they heard you're not getting in because I never knew you. God doesn't want us to get so busy even working for him that we have no time to get to know him. Listen to the lament of God's heart. A strong word from the Lord, but I think it's important that we hear it. In Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 22, God is saying, my people are fools. They do not know me. I want you to let that sink in for a moment. God's not talking about the unbelieving nations, the heathens. He's talking about his own people. He said, my own people, those who are called by my name, they are 
fools because they don't know me. We become fools when we focus more on the pleasures that this life has to offer at the expense of knowing the Lord. In other words, I, I want to make sure that we understand something. God is not against you and I enjoying life. God is not certainly against us casting out demons or working miracles. Here's what God is saying to us. None of that matters in the end if we don't spend time with him, if we don't get to know him. That's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary, shed his blood on that cross so that our sins might be forgiven so that you and I can enter into a relationship with God and get to know him in that fashion. And it's a lifelong experience. None of us ever arrives in completely knowing God. I thought about the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. He said this, oh, I want to know Christ. That was the cry of the Apostle Paul's heart. And here's a man that was taken up into heaven and saw things that he could not speak about. Here's a man that God used and inspired to write most of our New Testament Here's a man that founded so many churches that was used in such a powerful way by God. And yet, here we find the cry of his heart, which, by the way, at this moment in time, he was sitting in a Roman jail cell for the gospel because of the gospel. Yet, his cry wasn't to get out of jail. The cry of his heart was, I want to know Christ. I want to build my relationship with him. I want to strengthen my relationship with him. I want to get to know this God that loved me and died for me. I realize more than ever before that I've just scratched the surface of getting to know the Lord, that there's so much more that I don't know about him. And I don't ever want to get to the place where I feel like I've arrived. I know God. I think that's a dangerous thing for us as God's people to say. I think the right thing to say is, I'm just beginning to know the Lord. There's so much more that I need to learn and to know about my God who loved me and died for me. Worship team, if you would come, please. We're talking about knowing the Lord. That it's eternal life is here and now. Not when we get, uh, we breathe our last and we are going to be in heaven. Eternal life can be experienced right here, right now. Because eternal life is in knowing our Lord and Savior. And Pastor Jason and the worship team, they're going to lead us in a song. And then we're going to come back and close it out with a, one last verse and a prayer. While we're singing, a question I want you to consider today is, do I know God? Am I a religious person that knows a lot about God? Or do I truly know God? Am I in that 
relationship. I know that word intimacy sometimes scares men especially, uh, but, but it's talking about getting to know God, getting to know his heart, and, and, and him getting to know your heart. Right? Am I really in that kind of a relationship with the Lord?